by The Way in Brea. Lead pastor Von Jarrett has a heart for the people at The Way and a desire to reach the lost. The Way's production department prays this message is a blessing to you and that you find yourself closer to God through application. Leadership. Uh, there was a lot of challenges. We had a lot on the schedule, a lot of calendar, a lot of meetings, a lot of this, a lot of that. And it was a challenge. Um, but we had, a, uh, we had a meeting here and we, and, and we prayed. And I remember um, one of the words in the prayer was just at peace because of faith. Um, and so it gave me a, a different outlook uh, this time because most of the time, truth be told, I'm a wreck before I before I get an opportunity to speak and uh, uh, collateral damages towards the wife and the kids and the elders and the ministry team leaders and it's just, uh, it was different. So I'm very grateful and, and appreciative of it. Amen? Yeah. And the other thing I'm very grateful is for Vanessa's testimony and I want to share something with you before I get into it. But if you go to our app or uh, actually it's not in our app, it's, it's on our website. But it's a quick definition of the church, who we are, uh, what we do, and why. And I want you to think of her testimony as I read this to you. It said, the way is a Christian church full of real people doing real life together with a biblical worldview. She was quite real with you. She was honest about the fear of tithing and the fear of having lack in her life, but also the fruitfulness of finding that faith in it. So it was very special to, to hear it and to see her grow in that area. Um, and I just, I just wanted to commend you, Vanessa. Continue to just uh, stay faithful in the little things, and God will bless you with the much. Amen? Amen. Amen. Um, last week, we heard a powerful message. Zach, do you still have the image up there? Um, from Pastor Vaughn, and it, it has been leading us into this series that we're, that we're in, uh, in Matthew, and it was the upside-down kingdom. How many of you enjoyed the word last week? Amen. Um, and I know a lot of your life groups uh, on Wednesdays talked about the upside-down upside kingdom, uh, the difference between the laborers, the ones that come early in the morning, the ones that come uh, in the um, third hour, and those that come in the ninth hour, but the king had paid them all the same. And I remember him saying, uh, and it's one of the one things I probably uh, won't forget, but as Christians here in this world, we find ourselves looking for fairness when we should expect favor. There's a difference. We cannot have a worldview with a heavenly father. Does that make sense? You, you were looking at the kingdom completely upside down. We, we want um, 
we want we want we want fairness in this world, but we we lose sight of the favor that God has for us. Um, and it was a very very powerful message, and it and it leads us into um, where we're at now. Um, we read Matthew 20 and we finished it uh, last week. This week we will be uh, starting in Matthew 21. So if you can turn your Bibles to Matthew 21, I will pray. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that you've provided a, a, a spirit of uh, realness, Father God, a spirit of sincerity in this church and with the people that you're touching uh, and that... Um, uh, that you continue to grow us and grow us uh, into more like you, Father God. Let us have faith uh, to be able to move a mountain, Lord. Let, let, us, let us understand that the same power uh, that rose you from the grave is the same power that is in us. We are so grateful for what you've done for us. We are so thankful for what you uh, will do for us, Lord. Um, I thank you for the message and the life groups and all the wonderful announcements, the testimony from Miss Vanessa. Uh, but I'm asking you to be a part of this message and this word, Lord. Uh, I believe that this is from you, and I'm, I'm, um, I'm just a crackpot uh, delivering some water on some flowers, Lord. And I ask that you be the water, uh, that you be the growth, Lord. And I'll be the laborer. Thank you for giving me this opportunity. Uh, we praise you. We worship you uh, with thanksgiving, Lord, and praise. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. 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 So if, you're, um, if you've got your Bibles, open up to Matthew chapter 21, and we will start there. Now when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. After this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. Verse 5 says, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So the disciples went and did just as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them, and set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitude who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? So the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Then Jesus went into the temple of excuse me, and just went into the temple and drove out all of those who bought and sold in the temple, overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. And when the chiefs, priests, and scribes saw this wonderful thing, and what he did, the children crying out in the temple saying, Hosanna to the Son of God. They were indignant. Uh, 
and they were indignant and said to him, Do you hear what they are saying? And Jesus said to them, Yes. Have you never read? Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants you have perfected praise. Verse 17, Then he left them and went out of the city to Bethany, and he lodged there. Now in the morning as he returned to the city, he was hungry. And seeing a fig tree by the road, he came to it and found nothing on it but leaves and said to it, let no fruit grow on you ever again. Thank you, Megan. Immediately the fig tree weathered away. So there's a lot in there. And I'm going to break it down in, in three parts for us. The title of our message is The Misunderstood King. The misunderstood king. We go from looking at an upside down kingdom to the misunderstood king. And I want you, uh, this is th this thought process that needs to continue as Christians here on this world when we um, look for fairness over favor to a heavenly father, we begin to misunderstand who the king is and what he does and his MO. And how he operates. So I want to start off by breaking this passage of scripture. In, um, in verse. I want to start reading from 1 to 6. Very quickly. And share with you. When they drew near to Jerusalem. And came to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives. Remember this was prophesied earlier. In the Old Testament. Jesus sent two disciples. Saying to them go to the village opposite of you. And immediately you'll find a donkey tied. And a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you. You shall say the Lord has need of them. And immediately he will send them. After this was done. That it might be fulfilled. Which was spoken by the old prophets saying. In Zechariah chapter uh, 4, verse 4, and it said, In that day his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, which faces Jerusalem on the east. These are the old prophets, prophets prophesying this triumphal entry. This is the, uh, the leading into um, perhaps uh, the revelation of Jesus Christ. What's amazing to me is that in this portion of Scripture... Some of them are singing, Hosanna, son of David. And you have the priest saying, who is this? And I, I, I began to find myself, Lord, how is it possible that your presence could be around us and we would mistake you? How is it that we misunderstand the king? These people lived with him, walked with him, heard the stories. Some of them could have been part of uh, the feeding of 5,000. And, and only a few that were with him were the ones praising. When the disciples put the, their robes over the, the donkey and the colt, and others are breaking down palm branches and setting them before the colt and the donkey, those that were close to him knew Jesus but the church and the temple and the rest of the city is saying, who is this? They misunderstood the king. The first thing I want to share with you this morning is, first of all, we cannot misunderstand this king. 
I want you to understand that those who understood him were close to him. Number one this morning, those who understood him were close to him. Can I get an amen? amen? Because let me tell you, what happens when you're close to Jesus is supernatural. When you get close to Jesus and you understand him, there's miracles that happen. So we have to understand from a biblical truth that as we get close to Jesus, something special happens. And, like Miss Vanessa mentioned, it gets harder. So don't misunderstand the king. First and foremost, for you to understand him, you've got to be close to him. But trust me, it's a challenge when you're close to him. Because things will come your way and things will come against your way. Can somebody say amen? Amen. So when we look at this, we have to understand that knowing Christ ultimately is completely possible for all of us, for all believers. The key is we got to keep pushing. Because the Bible promises suffering for God's people. Yeah, nobody said amen to that. And that's okay. And that's okay. But the Bible promises suffering for God's people. When you get close to Jesus, you understand him. When you are close to him, there will be miracles. And the miracles are you overcoming things you couldn't do on your own. You get where I'm going with this? When you get close to Jesus... Things begin to happen to you and the miracles and the supernatural anointing is you overcoming, overcoming those things that you wouldn't be able to do if you weren't close to him or if you misunderstood the king. So please, let's not misunderstand the king. Acts chapter 14 Verse 22 says that Paul told all his young churches, through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom. Wait, what? You mean we're only entering the kingdom through all these tribulations? Yes. And Jesus said, if they persecuted me, they will persecute you. John 15, 20. Peter says, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing, as though some strange thing were happening to you. In other words, it's not strange. It's expected. Challenges are going to come when you get close to Jesus and you begin to understand him. So don't misunderstand the king. Philippians 3.10 says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. The fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. That means understanding what he went through. And you can't understand that if you're not close to him and you understand the king.
So you say, what's the benefit, Ray? Why do I give my life to the Lord? Why do I try to understand Jesus? Why would I put myself in this situation? Listen, first of all, there is power when you get close to Jesus. You may have read a story that I have read a story, and the story's in the Bible. If you look at John chapter 4, 1 through 26, we're, we, we are talking about being able to understand who Jesus is. Jesus goes into Samaria and is thirsty, is sitting by the well, and this woman comes to him and she begins to describe all these things of who the Messiah is. And when she got close to him, both of them are there, isolated on top of a mountain at the well. She begins to understand the king. And when she describes him, what does he say to her? I am he that you speak of. She initially, instantly began to understand who the king was. When you get close to Jesus, something supernatural happens. You can crawl in the midst of a crowd, touch the hem of his garment, and all of a sudden stop bleeding for 12 years. When you get close to Jesus, you begin to understand the power, the same power that raised him from the grave Amen. is now accessible to you. Amen. But we are so... Man, we... We misunderstand everything. I've, uh, and if you're married, oh, man, grace to you. Because there's a miscommunication all the time. There's a misunderstanding all the time. I was reminded as preparing for this message of a story, this Boy Scout tells his Boy Scout leader on the trail, tells him, hey, is this snake poisonous? He says, nope, grabs the snake. The snake bites the boy. Next thing you know, two minutes later, the kid's flaming on the ground and foaming from the mouth. And they're like, what happened? What happened? He's like, well, he picked up the snake. You said it wasn't poisonous. He's like, okay, poison has to be absorbed. That snake is venomous. It's injected. He completely misunderstood the question. And many of us live our lives like that. And certainly when it comes to scripture. If you have your pens ready, you can write this down. Some of you want the lamb and not the lion. I'm sorry, but they're both, both him. You cannot have the power without his love. This is Jesus who tells Satan, get behind me, but allows a woman that's bleeding for 12 years to touch him so he can heal her. You cannot have the lamb without the lion and vice versa. Don't misunderstand the king. So if we're going to be honest, as Vanessa kicked it off today, you can't keep sitting and come into church. You cannot misunderstand the king. You cannot do the same things over and over and expect God to do something different. Please do not misunderstand the king. Because my king will tell a girl to rise that has fallen asleep and everybody thinks she's dead. My king 
I've understood that he'll stay on there for me. When he made the temple crack in three places, miles away, he stood on the, on the cross for me. Do not misunderstand the king because your king is willing to open his arms for you and show grace, but is also willing to spit you out if you're lukewarm. That's my king. That's the king that we serve. The lion and the lamb. The hand of healing, but the eyes of fire. That's my king. Please do not misunderstand the king. When we look at the scripture, the whole town is like, who is this? If he's a king, he's riding on a donkey. I mean, uh, I know some of you may picture me standing on the colt with one leg, standing on the donkey with the other, coming in to, to Bethpage like that. No, 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 no. He came as completely, as humbly as possible. Sitting on a donkey. You know what's amazing? He gives a wonderful, wonderful supernatural opportunity. He took the donkey and its foal, which is completely untrained, yoked them together and walked into the city. That's a picture of us. That he'll take you untrained and he'll walk with you into the city. The city of angels. What a beautiful example. I never even looked at that. He chose the donkey and her foal, an untrained foal, yoked them together and walked into the city. You know what he's saying? I have the authority, people. Amen. And they misunderstood him. They misunderstood him when he wouldn't get down from the cross. And they were begging him, save us. One of the thieves completely misunderstood him. Said, if you are the son of man, save us. The other one said, oh, I know you. Forgive me. Jesus turned to him and said, this day you will be in paradise with me. Do not misunderstand our king. If we continue in our portion of scripture, Jesus finds himself in the church so please tell me you have a, a good understanding of this king that I'm talking about. You can't pray for the lamb and not expect a lion in your life. Because the lion is what tells Satan, get behind me. It's the lion that purifies you from sin. It's the lamb that welcomes you by grace. That is our king. You can't have one or the other. So don't misunderstand the king. We, we, it's funny, I, I shared this with somebody and well, two people, one of them laughed out of the chair and the other one just sat, said that was dumb. So I'm going to try it with you guys. <laughs> the great misunderstanding. Many Americans will eat a breakfast that's comprised of a French toast an English muffin, Canadian bacon, and call it an American breakfast. It's foolish. It's foolish. We misunderstand these things in our lives. And what's amazing is we will have church where we come and praise and worship. 
We will have a pastor. We will have somebody who disciples us and says, hey, do this, do this. The word of God will speak to us. Do this and do this. And we're so easily confused. Easily confused. After coming into the city, and those that knew him, who were close to him, understood him, they draped their clothes over the coat and the donkey. Some of the others took branches, laid them on the ground to, to, to signify that the king and the Messiah are coming in. He finds himself in the church. He finds himself in the church that the Bible tells me he loves so much that he compares it to our marriage, that that's how we ought to love our wives, men. He says, this is my bride that I will come home to. He loves the church so much, but the church is misunderstood. The church is misunderstood. What's the purpose of the church? Acts chapter 2 verse 42 is perhaps the greatest example or definition of the church. Zach will get it up for you, but I will, uh, I will start reading. Here, I'll read it with you. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. That's it. That is the church. Do not misunderstand the church. They devoted themselves to the apostles, to teaching, to fellowship, to breaking bread and prayer. That is the church. The church is not meant for anything else. That was the purpose of God's design when he created her bride. That we would have fellowship, that there would be biblical teaching, that we would be able to come and have communion and fellowship in our Christ's death and the blood that he shed over us and a place to pray. Don't misunderstand the church. It's not about ministries. It's not about everything else. That's the purpose of the church. Before I move on, I want you to understand something. There's a difference between a purpose and intention or a purpose and a commission. The definition of purpose is the reason of which something is done or created. Acts 2 verse 42 is the reason God created the church. A place of fellowship, biblical doctrine being taught to enjoy the Last Supper to break bread together and prayer. That is the church. That is not the intention of the church, but that was the reason it was created. Please do not misunderstand the church. The design or the intention. Now this is the intention or the design. This is the commission of the church. is something that was an intended to or a gain or a plan. 
or the purpose's desire. So the design of the church is bring lost, the lost, to know the Lord. That was the design. That was the intent of the church. Not the reason it was created, but its intention. The church is to teach biblical doctrine so that we can be so grounded in faith that we can bring those that are lost into it. Please, church, don't misunderstand it. And don't misunderstand this church. This, this church is not a place for you to come at the altar and constantly ask for insincere repentance. That's not what the church is designed for. Don't misunderstand the king and don't misunderstand the church. We are called to gather here as a body of Christ to grow biblically, to grow in faith, to grow in prayer, and to be reminded of what he's done. That's why we have our communion tables out every Sunday. That's the purpose and the designation of the church. The church is to, to teach biblical doctrine so we can go from infants to adults. Romans 12.10 says that we need to honor one another in this assembly. Romans 5, 5, 14, we should instruct one another. There's 56 one another's in the Bible. <coughs> Encourage one another. Love one another. 56 one another's. Do we do that in the church? Or have we misunderstood the church? The church is, to where, is, is designed for a place of believers so that they can observe the Lord's Supper, remembering what Christ did for us. The church's design or commission is to proclaim the gospel of salvation through Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. When Jesus walked into that church... They misunderstood the church. They had a swap meet in the church. The Pharisees had a swap meet in the church. As I dove into it for a couple of reasons, um, <clears throat> worldly coins, or at that time, the money that was used, had adulterous images on the coins. So the world was in the church selling goods, the priests were in the church transferring these worldly coins into unadulterated coins with godly images. Don't misunderstand the church. We cannot be translating your sin for faith, grace, or mercy. We were not designed... To tell you it's okay to willfully sin. That wasn't the commission of the church. The Bible tells me that Jesus was so fired up that he turned up over all the tables. They misunderstood the church. What did he say? This is a house of what? That's right. One of its purposes. 
but you have made it a den of thieves. The priests were charging commission to swap the coins from adulterated imaged coins into non-adulterated coins so that money can go into the table. So that money can go into the church. That's watering down the gospel. That's telling somebody you, you can willfully sin and it's okay. There's grace. That's cheap grace. Real grace cost him his life. Don't kid yourself. You can't come to the altar and repent insincerely about the same thing over and over. Don't misunderstand the king and don't misunderstand the church. Because truth be told, the church should have mature leaders to say, Hey, Johnny B, come over here. Heard you've been pretty disrespectful to your wife. That needs to change. Let's talk about it. Let's pray about it. The church should have women mature enough, willing to fight other women to keep them from sinning. To keep them from going away from their family and their children. That's the design of the church. Don't misunderstand the church. It's a, it's a little bit of a, a struggle because you have to... Man, in this world, everybody's very sensitive. I, I, uh, I have to admit that. And, and I am no different. My wife will tell me, man, why are you so extra? I'm like, hey, man, I'm sensitive right now. You know, they call me the crying prophet in church. <laughs> I'm sensitive. But it, it, uh, truthfully, uh, as a church, as a body of believers, we need to be able to come to each other, Amen. confess our sins. The, the, the Bible tells us um, that we need to confess our sins, but we also need to hold each other accountable. We cannot, we cannot mistake the king, and we certainly cannot mistake the church. Because there's some serious ramifications if you mistake or misunderstand either one of them. Serious. I, um, the church is called to be a lighthouse. A place that people could see. So when you're teaching biblically and you, you've created a house of prayer and you're being reminded of what Christ has done for you, the church gets this spirit that is, that is in the people. So when you go out to Fullerton Junior College for Sidewalk Sanctuary, people see light in you. People see something different. Wait a minute, why are you cooking for all these broke students? That's exactly why, because they're broke students. We want to show them love. Do you realize that the only thing God calls us to do is to love him and love others? Just simplify it. That's all he's called us to do. Love him and love others. But we complicate so many things. We mistake our communication. We mistake the king. We misunderstand the church. The church is both to promote the gospel and prepare its members to proclaim it. Somebody say amen. amen. Promote the gospel and prepare its members to proclaim it. I know some of you thinking, man, I'm not good at speaking in public. Neither was I, and I'm still not. I just asked God to do the work. But truth be told, you can preach Jesus without saying a word. 
St. Augustine said, I preach the gospel and occasionally open my mouth. People should see Jesus in you. The light should come out. They should be able to taste the salt. Don't misunderstand church. Don't misunderstand the king. I told you earlier that you cannot have the lion without the lamb and vice versa. You cannot have supernatural healing without sincere confession. Don't misunderstand the church. God will not honor insincere repentance. He just will not. It's not his M.O. I misunderstood him for many years. I thought, oh no, his grace is there. Oh no, he still loves me. Oh no, he still loves me. I know he still loves me. That's not the question. The question is, will he honor my willful sinning as I struggle with it? No, will not. True repentance comes with supernatural healing. We have to have faith in that. So point number one is please do not misunderstand the king. The misunderstood king. Point number two, do not misunderstand the church. Do not misunderstand the purpose or the commission of the church. It's quite simple. You cannot have the lamb without the lion. You cannot have healing without true repentance. And lastly, do not misunderstand faith. In the story that we read in Matthew chapter 21, they began to come to him. After the people outside misunderstood the king, they said, who is this? After the people in the church misunderstood the church and he tore it up because they made it a den of thieves. Then there was a few that truly understood faith, walked in there and got healed. Do not misunderstand faith. In Hebrews 11 verse 1 and 2, I think we all know the scripture uh, by heart and it's a pleasure to say that. Not only because we've gone through the entire book, but faith is defined as being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. You see, faith believes when it makes no sense to believe. Not because of the proof before you, but because of the trust you place in the object before you. And that trust needs to be Jesus. Can I say this? You cannot have faith that your husband will not let you down. Can I say this? You cannot have faith that a family member won't hurt your heart. Can I say this? You cannot have faith in anything this world has to offer. Not me up here. Not an elder, not a ministry team leader. We are all crackpots. We all fall short of the glory of God. And if you can grasp that and still learn to love people, man, you have got it. Understand that what you do 
for people is out of love that you have for them, knowing that they'll probably let you down, that's God's heart right there. That's exactly his MO. That's the king. He stayed on the cross knowing you're going to do what you wanted to do. He didn't misunderstand you. He says, I know, I know, Raymond. It's going to be about 31 years until you figure it out. 31 years, and I'm still going to love you. Sure enough, 31 years, I began to figure it out. That God loved me despite knowing what I was going to do. If you can learn to love people and not hold them to the standard that they'll never hurt you, no. No. Our faith needs to be in Christ. It's put this way. Faith is based on the will of the person in whom you place your faith. Faith is based on the will of the person in whom you've put your faith. What's the will of God? Is your faith in that will? Because our wills are different than the Lord's. The Bible tells me his will is not my will. His ways are not my ways. I don't think like him. I cannot. So your faith is based on the will of the person in whom you place it. You can have faith that the person you love most will never hurt you. But whether they do or not is not up to you. It's up to their will. So if we understand that our faith is based on the person in whom will we've put into we have to put our faith in the one whose will will never hurt us. Amen. So we just eliminated everybody except for one. Amen. Pretty simple. I wasn't good at math. It took me 31 years to figure that out too. Just kidding. <laughs> but if you really think of it that way, logically and supernaturally, you've got to put your faith in somebody that will not and cannot fail you. We sang a song, you've yet to fail me. You'll do it again. He'll do it again. Do you realize that when Jesus describes faith in the mustard seed, and you can move this mustard, you can move this mountain with the faith of a mustard seed, he's not talking about the strength of your faith. He's talking about the power he has. And your faith needs to be in his power. Please do not misunderstand faith. Biblical faith is in the person, God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Faith is not in our abilities, but in God's abilities. When we talk about will and God's will and faith in his will. Romans 12, 1, 2. When your faith lines up with God's will, you can absolutely, positively, unquestionably claim by faith that God's will would be done. The moment you understand the king and not misunderstand him, 
His will becomes your will. Now your wills are aligned. And he says, whatever you ask in my name, if it's my will, you will have it. So if your will is lined up with God and you ask Jesus for these things, it is good as done. Don't misunderstand faith. God is trustworthy, worthy of our faith. Um, I don't read the Message Bible because it's a, uh, uh, I, I don't like the translation. It's pretty simple. Um, but I had to share this with you in the, um, the Message version. 1 Thessalonians 5.24, the one who called you is completely dependable. If he said it, he'll do it. Do what? And it's his will. And when your faith is in his will, the things you ask for in his name will always be done. Don't, under, don't misunderstand faith. You cannot misunderstand faith. You cannot pray willfully play for certain things and never believe that they're going to happen or never be willing to understand the king so much that your will lines up with his will. It's foolish. You misunderstand the king, you misunderstand the church, you misunderstand faith, then you wonder why in the world did I become a Christian? Because somebody misspoke to you and said your life would be perfect. The Bible tells me God's people will suffer. God's people will suffer. So why do it? Why do it? Because at some point you will understand I'm not living for this world. I'm not living for this time. And even if the ones I love most here on this earth Don't even fill a cup to his. Man, things begin to change. You begin to understand the king. You begin to understand the church. Once you start understanding the king, you have a desire to serve in the church. Once you understand serving, you have a desire to, to be more faithful and to give more for other people's knowing that God will take care of you. You see how that works? So I shared this thing with this men, with, with men on uh, Tuesday. Salvation is the act of faith. Can we all agree on it? We just had a salvation course 101. When we give our lives to Christ, it's an act of faith. Salvation is an act of faith. I'll put it to you simply. You were flooded in your home and a boat comes. You get in that boat. You've just been saved. Period, point blank. Period, point blank. That's salvation. A boat comes, saves you from raging, flooding waters. You get in that boat. That's salvation. That's it. You cannot describe it any better than that. Sanctification is that boat getting you to a safe place. Do you understand? Sanctification is the act of faith. So sanctification being the act of faith gets you from being in that boat, you're already saved, into a safe place. That's sanctification. 
That's the process, the act of faith. Does that make sense? So, when you understand the king, you've been saved. You jumped in the boat. When you understand the church, you become a new person. You understand that I can't come in as a filthy, rotten sinner who consistently sins the same way, the same time, and does the same thing, and then comes here and expects healing. Once you understand that, you begin to get sanctified. Now you are a different person. You've got, gone from one island to another. And the process or the progress of that is called sanctification. What happens when you become sanctified? You learn that, man, i got to serve. Because the more I do for others, the more God will do for me. And it's so true. So true. I told the men, and I hope I say it right again, but we as a church, as Christians, don't think less of yourself. You are a child of God, saved by grace, sanctified. Do not think less of yourself. Just think of yourself less. Does that make sense? Stop thinking about yourself all the time. But don't think about yourself, don't think less of yourself. You are a child of God. The same power that raised Jesus from the grave is in you. Don't walk around all, ooh, woe is me, John 3, 16, woe is me. Come on, you know that your future's decided. You know that you will get to heaven. You will, you will see the glory of God. Stop acting like there's no power in you. Because if you understand the king and you understand the church and then you figure out how to understand faith, that's when it changes. Then you begin to give your life for service because salvation is an act of faith. Sanctification is the road of faith and service is the fruitfulness of faith. Service is the fruitfulness of faith. Now you've understood the king. Now you've understood the church. And now you understand faith. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, your life will be completely different. Completely. When you understand faith and you get to a point of service where you're calling your ministry team leader and say, hey, what can I do? You're calling the, the prayer team leader, Miss Peaches, and saying, hey, Miss Peaches, I got an idea. Or a ministry team leader calls you and says, hey, why don't we do this for this? And, and you feel like the church has figured it out that if the church serves each other, which was its design, God begins to move. Do you know what happened when the church fed each other, housed each other, shared everything with each other, 5,000 got saved in a week. 5,000. The church blew up from that moment. Please do not misunderstand faith. Salvation is the act of faith. Sanctification is the road of faith. And service is the fruitfulness of that faith. That's understanding the king. That's understanding church. And that's understanding faith. You may or may not see this, but some scribbles on the back of my message. 
I told uh, Gary at uh, altar, I mean at, at meet and greet. Um, most of the time, songs are chosen a week in advance or so. Most of the time, the speaking schedule is done a year or so previously. And as I, we went from song one to song two to song three, let me remind you, it was song one, Tremble by Upper Room. That song talked about Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. So you love the power of God. And you've got to love the grace of God at the same time. Which leads me right to point number one. Don't misunderstand your king. The one that saved you from darkness is the same one that makes darkness tremble. Song number two was stand. Talking about standing strong, standing firm. The fruit of church is us growing to be able to withstand the things that are going to come against us. That was song number two. Understanding the church. That it builds us up so we can stand. I'm over here almost in tears because I cannot believe that I and this schedule for this message was prepared the beginning of the year, these songs were chosen a week and a half ago, and my three points line up with these three songs because the third song was do it again when it's referring to faith. I've seen you move. You've moved the mountains. And I'm talking to you about understanding the king, understanding the church, and understanding the faith. If that's not God appointed, you have missed this entire message. This entire message. I'm going to end with this. I'm going to land this plane. And in my revelation, when he, I'm like, man, Lord, I'm kind of, uh, this is how you should look at him. You should be scared of him and then think he's cool. Amen. If we want to talk about, if we want to talk about it in world's terms, you should be terrified of the Lord and think he's cool. Because listen, he is the one that will come back for his bride and everybody will see on a horse with flaming eyes and take those that are in his church and take them all up. You have to understand that that's the king we serve. But listen to this. I wrote these after he gave me that revelation. If you misunderstand the king, you are not known. That's the great tragedy. If you misunderstand the king, you will not be known. You cannot get to heaven and him say, do I know you? Because you misunderstood church, because you misunderstood faith, and because you misunderstood the king. That gives me chills. Not well done, good and faithful servant, but do I know you? Holy moly. If you misunderstand the king, you're not known. If you misunderstand the church, you're not growing. You're not growing. The church is called to hold each other accountable. The church is called to 
to confess to one another. The church is called so that we can go to one another and say, I got an issue with you or I got an issue with that person. Can you help me? The church is called to teach biblical doctrine. To speak the whole truth and nothing but the truth. You know where the world got that from? The truth. You know where that came from? Him. I am the truth, the way, and the life. If you misunderstand the church, you're not growing. Lastly, if you misunderstand faith, you will always fail. If you misunderstand faith, you will always fail. What do I mean by that? If you put your faith in people other than Jesus, sorry, it's just going to go down. I said this before, you can get with this or you can get with that. It's your choice. It's your choice. You can put your faith in a person who has never failed. Song number three, do it again. Or you could put your faith in something of this world. If you misunderstand the king, you will not be known. If you misunderstand the church, you're not growing. And if you misunderstand faith, you will always fail. I uh, said it a couple of times, but that's my king. My king is the lion and my king is the, the lamb, and I understand that. Don't kid yourself. It took 31 years, and I still have no clue of truly who he is, but he has given me a little bit of revelation. I will allow horrible and tough things to happen to you, Raymond. But in that, me and you will get closer. That's my king. Raymond, your life is not going to be perfect, but guess what? You know the perfect one. That's my king. I want to share a video with you real quick, and then we're going to go up to the altar. Uh, if the worship team could come on up. And before we go into the altar and pray over communion, I will pray after the video. But just take a moment. You can close your eyes. Just listen to this video. And I think it'll give you a new understanding of the king. Amen?
That's my king. Don't misunderstand the king. He is all those things and more. That brings me to tears. I cannot describe that. I cannot repeat that. I can't memorize it. I don't I don't have the ability of to even come close to that video and that video doesn't have the ability to describe our king. The Pharisees tried to stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. They couldn't keep him dead. The grave couldn't hold him. The loftiest idea in literature, the foundation of philosophy. My God, don't misunderstand the king. And he's the same one that tells Satan, get behind me. And he's the same one, I'm sorry to tell you, that will say, do I know you? Do you know him today? Do you know him? He can heal you. He can save you. His grace is sufficient. He's merciful. Do you know him? His love is limitless. His life is matchless. He's imperially strong. He saves sinners. He healed the sick. He cleansed the lepers. Don't misunderstand my king. He's also the one that sent the evil spirits off a cliff and allowed them to drown at the cost of healing somebody and delivering somebody and showing the town his power. Don't misunderstand the king. I told you the purpose of the church was to celebrate and remind us of what was done on the cross for us. And give thanks for the supper and do it together in his assembly. So you have the chance and you're free to do so. My king gives freedom. My king will free you from bondage. If you'd like to come up and give communion, so be it. If you don't, so be it. He's still king of kings. If you want to come up and start practicing sincere repentance, it's your choice. My king gave the creation that he loved free will, knowing that some of them will deny him. That's my king. You have free will. You can come up to the altar. You can take communion. It's up to you. He's still king. And truth be told, the moment you are sincere and ask him, he's there. He is there. Remember, he stayed on that cross knowing what you and I would do on this earth. 
That's my king. And if you don't know my king, I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to tell you about this man that was described by Reverend Lockridge. I'd love to tell you about this king my way. I'd love to tell you what this king has done for me in my life. My way. I'd love to tell you the healing that has happened in my life. My way. From my king. The marriage I have is from my king. The children. All six of them. I know some of them feel like they're not from him. But all six of mine are from him. If you don't know him, raise your hand. I'd love to pray with you. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning completely confused, deranged, with the wrong expectations. You have given me a word that has described this world and we have completely misunderstood our king. We have taken church and made it a den of thieves when you call it a house of prayer. We have taken this altar and watered it down sometimes with fake tears and fake words and there's no sincerity and yet we question where's the healing? We don't understand our king. We don't understand grace, true grace. And we certainly misunderstood faith. Lord, I'm asking this morning, Father God, that you would rise up some hearts, that you would open up some minds, that we begin to have a new revelation, just like you gave me right here during worship. And I didn't even ask for it. Lord, I know you can do that for any one of these people. For anyone in this church, you can do it supernaturally through a child upstairs. You supernaturally organized a donkey and its colt to ride you into the city. So you could teach us humility. And just as us, they misunderstood you. Lord, speak to us. I pray that you would give us a revelation about you, a revelation about the church, and a revelation about faith. True, sincere faith that will move mountains. Teach us to line our will with yours. Teach us to ask in your name for the good of others. Show us as we can serve others that you will take care of us. Have your way in this place, Lord. None of us want to get to the gates and not know you. None of us want to consistently come to church and not grow. None of us want to misunderstand faith and question why we always fail. That's my king.
My king can answer all these questions. My king, the understood king, is limitless in his knowledge and in his power. And I don't think many of us believe that he's willing to give us that limitless knowledge and power if we choose. Father, I pray over the the chance to commune together as a church. We hope that we never make this place a den of thieves, that it is always a house of prayer, that we learn about prayer, that we preach prayer, that we pray ourselves, Father God. We've got courses on prayer. We've got a ministry about prayer. We've got a ministry team leader about prayer. We have praying with understanding, praying in the spirit. We pray before, we pray after. Continue to remind us that this place is a house of prayer. And right here, right now, I'm praying over your blood, Father God, that we shed. I was nowhere you came to my rescue. From the grave I've been raised. When I needed a savior to save me, Jesus, you made a way. listening. The Way would love you to visit our church at 451 West Lambert Road, Suite 204 in the city of Brea. Our service times are Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. For more information, please visit our website at www.thewaybrea.com or you can download our church app by visiting your app store and searching The Way Brea. Be blessed.